We are in Ayah 41, Surah Al-Sa'ad. Surah Al-Sa'ad is Surah number 38. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا أَيُّوبِ إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الشَّيْطَانُ بِنُسْبٍ وَعَذَابٍ Make mention of our servant, Ayyub. Ayyub, alayhi salam, is a Nabi of Allah. He is mentioned in the Qur'an few times as this surah is about the Quran being a dhikr, a reminder and a remembrance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This story depicts how Ayyub remembered Allah in uh, extreme difficulties, that he was a very sick person. He became sick as a test from Allah. And despite his immense sickness, he did not turn away from Allah. He was not negligent of Allah. He was not uh, oblivious of Allah. So now you see the contrast between Dawood, Suleiman, and then Ayyub. Dawood and Suleiman were privileged. They enjoyed so many gifts from Allah in terms of material gifts and uh, they remembered Allah even though they were rulers and they enjoyed tremendous authority over people and everything else uh, and Ayyub who had nothing and was inflicted with pain and with illnesses also remembered Allah okay. so the common denominator is that no matter which situation you are in, you must be in the state of dhikr. You must be in the state of remembrance. That is a sign of your service and your being an abd. So the word here, abdana, is used. Wadhkur abdana, ayyub. And about Dawood, Allah SWT says, Ni'am al-abd, he's a great servant. Suleiman was the same. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word abd whenever he refers to someone who remembers him, no matter what the external situation and circumstance may be. Ayyub al-Islam story is mentioned elsewhere in Surah Al-Anbiya, as I mentioned. It's also mentioned here in brief. Um, here Allah says, Remember the time when he called his Rabb, his Lord, Indeed, the devil has afflicted me and touched me with fatigue and with punishment and torment and so on. So this is how Ayyub was afflicted that uh, the devil <coughs> was allowed to now bring upon him certain illnesses uh, that is what the devil does 
the devil is a schema, and through his scheming, sometimes he creates uh, illnesses. Some illnesses are psychological and mental, and some illnesses may be physical. This is from the physical realm, not from the mental or psychological. Devils are not allowed to mess with the mind of a Nabi. Right? They were given some, the devil was given some leeway to mess with the physical body of a Nabi, but not with the mind or the heart, the qalb, the ruh of a Nabi. So there are stories about Ayyub al-Islam and how he was afflicted and the types of illnesses that he had. He was one illness after another, one illness after another. So the demonic nature of illnesses are mentioned here. But this is a mu'ajizah of a Nabi that despite being in this state of illness and sickness, uh, he was able to withstand all the tests and remember Allah, worship Allah and come out of it very smoothly as you will see. So this is also a sign of a Nabi's mu'ajizah, a sign of his uh, proof that he is a Nabi that you can bring on any trial or tribulation, physical or otherwise, and uh, the Nabi will be able to resist it uh, with his physical body. So the physical body of a Nabi was able to resist the infliction that the devil levied upon him. This is the meaning of Masaniya shaitan that the devil has touched me or afflicted me. Touching of the devil is of two types. One is touching of the jinn, yeah. and the touching of the jinn uh, is, is a different category of illnesses and diseases that we come across. We won't go into that now, but there's another type which is what is mentioned here. Right. This one is regulated so that Allah allows the devil to test the patient. Yeah. So there are stories. Uh, that are mentioned in books of Tafsir about how the devil came and approached the wife of Ayyub and said that I will give you a cure for your husband's uh, illnesses but uh, you must tell him that you cured him and so on. And so when she went to her husband Ayyub she mentioned the story and Ayyub said uh, that didn't you know this was the devil why didn't you know this was the devil? Why are you bringing this news to me from the devil? So he took a qasam, an oath, and said, I'll strike you a hundred times uh, because of this uh, indiscretion. That you're not supposed to have this indiscretion. How can you tempted, be tempted by the devil, which is what mentioned in the next ayah. Right? So now the prophets want people around them to be at the level of understanding that they need in order for them to serve Allah and in order for them to serve the Nabi, that the Nabi must have the people around him who understands how Allah works and also how the devil works. So because she was not able to understand this was the devil, he took this oath. So what I'm saying is that the devil came and uh, he, he was able to uh, somehow come into the mind of the, the wife and the wife mentioned the story and that is the reference in the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows these things to happen so that they are role models for us. You might want to say, what's the purpose of this? The purpose is to be 
role models. So Allah chooses every Nabi to be a role model for something. That he chose Dawood and Suleiman to be role models for leaders who control assets and people's properties and lives and they control the world and that if you do this or if you have this position and power then you must behave the way they behaved. So now a Nabi is a role model for leaders. So no one on the Day of Judgment can say, you didn't give us guidance. I gave you guidance. I gave you a Dawood. I gave you Suleiman. What more guidance do you want? And that guidance was in the Quran. And you read the Quran. Or you should have read the Quran. You're the one. I sent guidance, but you didn't use it. You didn't take heed. And so on. So this role model is that for a patient. Someone who is always ill and sick. They have a role model in Ayyub. That if you want to follow a role model, which is prophetic, in being a patient, and someone is afflicted with illnesses and sicknesses and diseases, then you must see how Ayyub dealt with his illnesses. It was one illness after another. They wouldn't leave. And he was bombarded with all these illnesses so that he would be able to bear them and be patient. Uh, And then at the end, Allah gave him uh, shifa and cure for another reason. but uh, for us reading the Qur'an, we must value this principle that prophets are mentioned as role models. Oh. They're just not fascinating stories. The story itself is fascinating, but that's not the point. The point now, especially in today's world, through modern medicine and science and technology, everybody's a patient of something. Even if you're not sick, you're supposed to be sick. Right? The norm is that you must visit the doctor for no reason. I haven't visited the doctor in a month. Something wrong with me. So we say, no, you have to learn how to be patient. So a patient must have patience. As Ayyub al-Islam is the role model for all patients in the world, that if you're afflicted with anything, you will follow his role model and not uh, contest Allah's will and not be angry at Allah and not condemn Allah and not say, why me? Because that's very childish. It happens. Everybody's tested somewhere, somehow. If it's not this, it's that. If it's not. Human beings by nature and by default are tested. You're not human if you're not tested. That's the rule of how Allah creates human beings in this world. So when you are tested, then you must see where the test is coming from. If you see the test is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will bear it. And then you will take appropriate action uh, to mend it, to, uh, to better it, improve the situation, and to remove that test as much as possible, as much as Allah allows you to do so. But you must see it from Allah Ayyub salam now he took on this test of being sick all the time. Very, very miserable uh, for us to see that. But in that state, he was not miserable. It's, it's a mindset. It's how, how you treat yourself. Everything's come down. All of this now. Somebody has a headache. 
and somebody has allergies and somebody has sinus and somebody has other illnesses that we bear uh, all the time and we don't think twice about it because we have to go to work. Uh, after all, uh, who, I have allergies, who cares whether I have allergies. Right? Uh, even, God forbid, Allah save us, protect us all. Cancer patients are working, worried about their jobs. What's going to happen to my job? Uh, see, now the focus is money. The focus is not you. Even when you're sick, you're focusing on something other than you, other than uh, the health insurance. <laughs> How's the insurance going to cover this? Right? So the world has become maddening. The world has become sickening. That if you live in a system and society where you're worried about who's going to pay for the treatment, then that in itself is a disease. Uh, that there's nowhere near a Ayub's patience. <laughs> Because you live in a system which doesn't allow you to appreciate the patience of Ayub. That's, any, that, that's a different issue. But I'm saying that the, the, the mindset of uh, people in this country, it may not be the same in other countries of the world. I appreciate that. But in this country, your first uh, instinctive, almost instinctive reaction is a, a health insurance. Uh, who's going to pay for this? Fine. That's a disease. That's not at all healthy. That in itself is cancerous. Because that will stifle your recovery. That is a psychological barrier against you recovering, but the first thing you worry about is the money. And that's not supposed to happen. So now you can't say there's a civilized system. It's a very barbaric system in my estimation. You should not have to worry about the money if you are sick. Now, Allah cures you, inshallah, through medicine and treatment and you visit the doctor and whatever, inshallah, but at the same time, you must address the deeper uh, reasons for feeling the way you do. Right? People who are 60 plus only work because of what? Health benefits. The only reason they work is because of health benefits. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. People work in Jewel and Costco. I like the health benefits. And he's 70 years old. Why are you working? He's supposed to be at home. <laughs> Enjoying himself. Living good. No, I need health insurance. So there you must address the issue that when Dawood and Suleiman ruled and governed the world, everybody was okay. Everybody was serviced. As they are servants of Allah, they serviced everybody else. But if you're not in the service of Allah, then you're not going to serve others because you're not serving Allah. Ayyub obviously didn't have health insurance. <laughs> but he was ill. He was sick. And he, he went through trial after trial after trial. He was very patient. And uh, to a point where he even did not make any dua until the last resort. He had total, total tawakkul. And Allah, he saw this as a test from Allah. And he said, I'll do whatever Allah wants me to do. He did not give up the dhikr of Allah in this state. And that is how Allah rewards him by, first of all, making, making him a nabi. 
making him a role model for all patients in the world that if you want to be patient, you must follow the prescription of Ayub and say, okay. Now, that doesn't mean to say you don't fight the illness, you don't seek a cure. It doesn't mean that. It means that your first instinctive move should be towards thinking of Allah. That I'm going to mention Allah's name and I'm going to be grateful for the life he's given me and I'm going to bear uh, the illness as much as I can. And then I'll, I'll also get treatment and be guided through the doctor or the whatever is available to me. Okay. This is how Allah is using Ayyub as a parable and as a symbol and as a role model so that human beings may now on the day of judgment if anyone comes and says that you made me so sick that I was not able to worship you, Allah will produce Ayyub in front of him. How about this one? He's human. You're human. He was able to do it. Why couldn't you do it? So that's the role of a role model. Right? This all has to do with the Day of Judgment. On the Day of Judgment, people will come, and even there they will complain to Allah, you made me this way. Allah will say, yeah, are you this here? He's a role model. Why didn't you follow him? He's a human being. Now, if you didn't understand how the spiritual world works, or how the demonic world works, or how Allah does this, he's a human being. A human being is a role model. So this human being is a role model for you. Uh, you must be the way Ayyub is. And then thank Allah and be patient. And then seek your treatment the way you are able to do so. That's number one. Number two, that illnesses and diseases have another role. What is that? That if you're patient with them, and uh, there seems to be no cure for you, then your ranks in Jannah will be elevated. Allah will reward you for the patience. Allah will reward you for every fever that you have. The Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ tells us that a Muslim is forgiven his sins if he bears patience with any type of trouble that comes to him. So there's another reason. That reason is your salvation. It's not just secular. You understand what I'm saying? The Prophet said, when you have a fever, your sins are forgiven. Right? So maybe, I'm not saying don't take the Tylenol. I'm saying have this mindset that Allah does what he does for a reason. He, he's seeing you as a believer. You believe in him. And since you believe in him, he wants to now help you in your salvation. So on the day of judgment, your ranks will be raised higher because you are patient about this fever that you had, or that's this toothache that you had, or this pain that you had, or God forbid, uh, that this cancer that you had. Allah has raised your ranks. That is where you will see, inshallah, hopefully maybe today, maybe next week, that the, 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 the purpose is the Akhirah. Mm. A Muslim must include the Akhirah in his discussion. That's when he's a Muslim. Otherwise, there's no difference between you and anyone else. So now families are coming and going, we're going to lose our, 
uh, my 90 year old mother, grandmother. Allah keep us all, preserve us all. At the same time, those few weeks or months in which that person is a patient is rewarded. And the ranks of that person is elevated because they are patient with that illness and sickness where they would not reach that status in Jannah without being patient. That's how the Prophet ﷺ told us to think. This is the Sunnah. Our life is about the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So now everybody's going crazy and this and that. It wasn't like this in the old days. Right. Now because of modern medicine and you have this faint idea of prolonging life, you forget that you have to die. You forget that there's an akhirah. You forget that there's a purpose for this illness. That is to raise your ranks in Jannah. That's where you're going. So rather than hang on to the life, uh, maybe you want to plan about another life. Plan for another life, which is coming as soon as you die. This culture of not uh, incorporating the akhirah in the discussion of illnesses and diseases is what perhaps is uh, killing, uh, express, uh, excuse the pun, <laughs> Muslims. Right. So here's Ayyub. He is now uh, inundated with illnesses, one after another, one after He's patient. He's sabir. He's very, very patient. And he knows Allah has raised his ranks <coughs> where the devil cannot penetrate him. And the devil doesn't understand or appreciate that Ayyub, through his sabr, uh, his rank in Jannah is going to be elevated and the devil is going to perish in hell. He doesn't see the big picture. He only sees the small picture. So this is the story of Ayyub as a parable for all Muslims in today's world and in fact in any world that if there are illnesses or afflictions or diseases then yes we have to treat them as much as possible. At the same time we should hope that Allah will reward us for that and there are certain illnesses that the Prophet said if you die because of those you will receive the reward of a shaheed. Hmm. Right? If you die of stomach illnesses, or if you die of illnesses that are incurable, and if you die this way and that way, uh, Imam Suyuti has listed 70. Okay? 70 such illnesses through hadith hmm. that show us that if you die this way, Allah will give you the reward of a shaheed. What greater benefit than that? You can live another year. The doctor may prolong your life for another year, two years, three years. He won't give you the reward of a shaheed. So now that whole system is obliterated if you bring the sunnah into the discussion. But Muslims don't want to bring the sunnah into discussion because they say it's backward. <laughs> it's not backward, it's forward. The Sunnah is making you think forward about the other world you're going into. So this is the reason why Allah 
uh, now depicts these prophets in the Quran as people of dhikr, people of reminder, people of remembrance, people of insight and foresight, so that one, they combat the devil. A prophet's job is first and foremost to make sure that the devil does not penetrate into anybody in his ummah. That is why he was very strict with his wife. Why didn't you discern that that was a devil? Very strict about it because that's his job. Even in his illness, he's doing his job as a nabi. That you didn't see that was a devil, so now I'm going to hit you. <laughs> um, he resolved that, as you'll see, uh, inshallah. So there, the, the, the mission of a nabi continues even in a state of illness and sickness, and even though his family members eventually had to leave him because that's how sick he became. Nobody could nurse him. Everybody had to leave. That's how, well, that's how he became. They eventually came back uh, after Allah cured him. But uh, this is how a Nabi does his job. Just as Yusuf in the prison gave da'wah. Uh, Ayyub in his sickness gave da'wah. Da'ud and Suleiman in their richness gave da'wah. The mission of a Nabi does not discontinue because of external situations and circumstances. The mission of a Nabi continues all the time. That's why he's a Nabi. Yeah. So we must appreciate all of these insights into the story of Ayyub salam. The Ayyub is the perfect patient. There's no better role model for patience in the world than Ayyub salam. You measure your illnesses, diseases against Ayyub and you'll see that perhaps it's nothing. Then it becomes insignificant or it becomes easier to tolerate, at least. Psychologically, you will say uh, in your mind, yeah, he did this. I'm sure I can I also, inshallah, muster some courage and show a bit more resilience and a bit more resolve and a bit more sabr and patience uh, rather than just uh, uh, whining and wailing all the time. Yeah complaining about this and that. That is not the feature of a Muslim. A Muslim believes in Allah and a Muslim takes control of his situation and the Muslim does everything to avert danger and to get rid of evil. So there the evil of the disease is what is represented by the word shaitan. Mm. The shaitan now is able to do this. Allah gives him these, these, these abilities so that he is able to test his servants, how they are, and see who they are, etc. Then Ayyub at a time made dua to Allah and then resolved and resorted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have been afflicted with this hurt and uh, with this affliction and you are the most compassionate of all people who show compassion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then granted him eventually uh, his request to be cured, which he made the request at the very end. So he said to Ayyub, that stamp your foot upon the ground, scrape your foot, kick your foot, literally, kick the ground with your foot, and you will see that from underneath the ground, uh, that this is a place where you're going to take a bath. Mm. 
that this is a place where the water is going to gush and you're going to take a bath from this water baridun wa sharab may be cold and it will be something that you will drink so it will cool you it will cool and cure your illnesses your diseases and also you can also drink it to gain your strength and recover uh, from your illness and so on so this is how allah subhanahu gave shifa to ayyub alayhisalam that uh, the prophet's uh, now ankles and the prophet's feet are a reason for allah subhanahu uh, bringing rahmah to the world and so on as in the case of Ismail Salam's ankles that uh, his ankles were used to create the zamzam this was more microscopic and specific to ayub that ayub Salam was able to kick the ground uh, with his feet and the ground came up with water so there's water everywhere underneath the earth allah subhanahu ta'ala instructed the water to come out and he took a bath he was cleansed or if you want he was sterilized and then and then he used the same water to gain his strength again and eventually he came back to being a normal person when this happened his family came back wahabna lahu ahluhu wa mithlahum ma'hum rahmatan minna that we granted for him his family his wife this word ahl here means wife that his wife who was there uh, she also came back to him and then his other family members came to him and with them uh, someone else like them so he was given a larger family than before rahmatan minna as a means of rahmah and mercy from our side that this is a rahmah after ayub passes the test allah sends further rahmah so the test was a form of rahmah and then ayub's passing the test is another rahmah then the reward allah gave to ayub for passing the test is another another rahmah uh, these are all signs of allah's rahmah that comes to people who make dhikr, who make dhikr wa dhikra a means of reminder and a means of dhikr li ulil albab for those people of understanding not for everybody for those who understand the story of ayub meaning you have to sit and think about it when you read the story as if it's just the story then you will tell your children ayub was a patient man he became sick and he was patient and then allah cured him okay. that's not the way the quran is asking you to read the story the quran is asking you to think ulil albab people of thinking people of understanding will understand what are the morals in the story and what is the wisdom in the story and what are the gems that you can bring out and draw extract from the story uh, you have to think about it and that is what the quran is saying that it is a dhikr it's a means of dhikr and it's a means of fikr that you must be able to think about what allah is saying so see ayub as a parable of a person who is afflicted with physical pains mm. that when you're afflicted with physical pains what do you do how do you deal with it man in all this time you have to remember there's no stress the devil is not able to cause stress to the nabi stress is psychological is mental that is caused by a lack of iman a lack of trust in allah ayub trust allah totally absolutely and 
unconditionally. There is no stress there. So despite the physical uh, inabilities and his handicaps, Ayub was still a very resolute person. He didn't suffer from stress or distress. That is ulul al-bab. That okay, uh, this is how it is. Like uh, Ibrahim al-Islam, when uh, he was thrown into the fire, he was not distressed about it. <laughs> we probably die before uh, we get there. So he wasn't distressed. He wasn't distressed. He trusted Allah. So there you separate your psychological and mental abilities from your physical inabilities. So just because you're physically unable uh, or handicapped, doesn't mean to say you're mentally handicapped. You cannot afford to be mentally handicapped because you're physically handicapped. Mind of a matter, this is how you win the fight with the devil. The devil wants you to become mentally handicapped and then uh, feel sorry for yourself in your misery. And then when you feel sorry for yourself, what do you do? You become pessimistic or you become fatalistic. Then you lose trust and hope in Allah. Then you stop loving Allah. Then you don't do any ibadah. Then you say, oh, nothing's happening. And then why me? You always come back to me. Why me? So that you must separate these, 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 these symptoms, or these stimuli, if you want to call them that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us the resolve of Ayyub even though he was physically handicapped, that he did not give up his trust in Allah. And that's how you think and understand all the other values in the story. The more you think about it, the more you will be, inshallah. The point is, you must not read the story from a point of view of a cynic or a skeptic. Nowadays, unfortunately, people are very cynical about wahi and the divine revelation of Quran and Sunnah and this and that, and they say, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Religion is a religion, who cares? Right? But that's not ulul al-bab. That's not the people of understanding. So these stories will make immense sense for those people who have understanding, not for the idiots. Right? The idiots will say what they say, oh yeah, it's a story. It's not just a story, it's a means for your shifa. This story is a cure for you. For your situation, think about it, align yourself with the situation of Ayyub, and you will see that really you don't have that much of a problem in life. It's just a perception of a problem. You want to feel important in yourself, so you say, my problems are enormous. You magnify your importance by magnifying your problems. Otherwise, the problems are not that difficult to resolve. Inshallah, mind of a matter. Ulul al-Bab refers to those people who understand that Allah wants nothing except goodness for us, either in this world or the world hereafter. When you limit goodness to this world, then you might as well be a kafir. There's no two ways about it. You might as well be a non-Muslim, because that's the only thing a non-Muslim is concerned about is this world. A believer will always include the Akhirah in his discussion. That maybe in the Akhirah, if I'm patient about this, Allah will reward me, Allah will give me higher ranks in Jannah, and Allah will forgive me, and so on. Once you have the Akhirah in front of you, 
then everything is curable. Every situation is manageable. Then you resolved all your problems. And that is how the Sahaba were. That they saw these stories as parables and symbols and role models. And they were able to overcome everything that Allah sent to them in the form of trial or test. Or they were also tested. You mustn't believe that. The Sahaba were not tested. They were tested. But they were able to overcome their test because they never allowed themselves to be mentally handicapped. Physical impediments should not impede you from your mental ability to progress and to be aggressive and to think about Allah and to resolve the situation. That is the devil's work. Then definitely the devil has touched you. Then the devil has penetrated you. So we must assume that Allah is doing this for a reason. I'm trying to bring the Quran down to earth, literally. <laughs> right. This is how the Quran applies to you in your microscopic life. As individual readers of the Quran, this is how it applies to you. Although it comes from the Almighty, high and above, uh, uh, the Arsh, where he, he sits, mashallah. Uh, but in reality, it relates to every individual human being. No one can say they cannot relate to the story of Ayub. No one can say that. Everybody has problems. Everybody has afflictions. Everybody has issues. When you measure yourself against the affliction and the problems of Ayub, then your problems should become insignificant. Because he went through so much. Allah uses him as a person who has sabr. وَخُذْ بِيَدِكَ أَضِغْتًا فَطْرِبِّهِ وَلَا تَحْنَثْ then Allah said to him that since you took an oath that you will strike your wife a hundred times, what we want you to do is take in, into your hand a bundle of basil. Yeah, there's a plant here. Take a hundred straws of basil and then strike your wife with these hundred. And don't uh, break your oath. Meaning once you make an oath, you have to fulfill it. But there's a way for you to do this. And we've given you a way to do this without uh, harming your wife. Uh, since you were upset and angry at the wife for not uh, discerning that the devil was there to insinuate and uh, to deceive her, uh, that is fine. At the same time, you did not want to harm her because she had served him well. And he wanted to appreciate that, so he didn't want to break his oath and uh, promise to Allah. And at the same time, he didn't want to harm her. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his rahmah, gave him a legal uh, resolution that legally you may do this and you will not break your oath and your promise, which is what the fuqaha say, that if there's an easier way, easier way for you to fulfill your promise, uh, then do so. إِنَّا وَجَدْنَاهُ صَابِرًا Indeed, we found him to be patient. Uh, Allah is saying we found Ayyub to be patient. So this is a certification from Allah that Ayyub passed the test and then he became a patient man and he is now the epitome of patience and he is a role model for all, everybody who needs patience and everybody needs patience. نِعْمَ الْعَبْدُ So good of a servant is he he is the best of servants. Allah again calling him a servant. 
as he called Dawood and Suleiman servants, Innahu Awwab, and Allah uses the same words he used for Dawood and Suleiman. Indeed, he always came back. He is a person who always came back to Allah. He, he always uh, reverted to Allah at all times, whether he was in a good state or not so good state. Ayyub was dedicated to the service of Allah through dhikr and through patience and so on. So in reality, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates these events in people's lives so that they may take heed and so that they may discern this is Allah's rahmah and so that they may improve themselves and increase their iman and uh, increase their ability to resolve issues and to become more resilient and then seek Allah's fadl and pleasure. So eventually, consequentially, their ranks are raised in Jannah. So the purpose is that Allah wants every human being to get back to Jannah and that the devil wants you nowhere near Jannah. Allah wants you back in Jannah and the devil wants you in the other place where he's going. So that, that struggle uh, is always going to be there. Uh, that dilemma is always going to be there. And uh, that uh, fight is always going to be there. So you have to struggle with yourself. Life is a struggle. Right? We must overcome that notion or notion that says that life is good all the time. There's no struggle. No, life is always going to be a struggle. No matter who you are, what you are, yes, you'll have a few days, a few weeks, a few months where well, you're feeling okay, you're on top of the moon, you're on top of the world, and then the next month uh, you're back down to where you belong. <laughs> right? That's Allah's doing. He's showing you that He's in control of you. And that's the purpose, that He wants to establish His rububiyyah. His training you to believe in Him. So that you don't believe in your nafs and you don't believe in your own abilities and potential. You believe in Allah's abilities and Allah's reward and His fadl so that you keep on worshipping Him. So life is going to be full of ups and downs, ins and outs and meanders and all of that. Life is not a straight line, as we know. If you want life to be a straight line, then that's monotonous, that's boring, and that's not very uh, conducive to... Uh, reforming, improving uh, ourselves either because uh, we need to improve and reform ourselves all the time. So these are role models Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used in the Quran so that we may think and the more we think, the more these inshallah uh, forms of wisdom will come to us. We make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq to read the Quran in such a way that benefits us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to Follow the role models that Allah has presented to us in the Quran. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatik ya Rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah.